0: You're listening to Rates and Lanes with Rico Mohamed. This is the show where we improve your knowledge of the freight market, improve your bottom line, and improve the transportation industry as a whole. We're talking rates and lanes. Let's move on down the audio road.
1: evening, everyone. This is Rico Muhammad coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia. The first show of 2016. Hopefully everybody had a safe and prosperous holiday season, ready to get back to work and get back at it. The new year is upon us. First day, uh, first show of the new year, rather. And we're going to start out tonight. We have a special guest, Chuck Snow, who will be joining us a little bit later on in the broadcast. I think he's on the line now. And um, we just want to go ahead and start the show off as we normally do, and we're going to jump right over into the very first issue of the Fruit and Vegetable Truck Rate Report from the USDA. Uh, this I posted a link of it up on the uh, Rachel Lane's Facebook page. It's the very first. Uh, if you take a, if you get a chance to click on the link and take a look at this, it is the very first uh, edition of the new year. So it will say, "Volume Number One, January 6th, Because these reports come out every Wednesday. Hence is the reason why method behind the madness of us trying to do the still on a Wednesday, because these, this report comes out every Wednesday, and also the. Um, the uh, DAT report normally comes out every Wednesday, so we try to get you the most up-to-date information surrounding the trucking industry as we possibly can. So with no further ado, this week's fruit and vegetable truck rate report, there are some major changes there, some sh- uh, mar- markets that are showing some really good movement in them. There's a lot of that are showing slight shortages and this is always good news. It's kind of a good indicator if you move, you happen to be moving fruits and vegetables or you, you're dealing with reefers. It's always good news. Um, so in this report, it kind of breaks down different parts of the country. It tells you whether or not in those particular markets they have a surplus, slight surplus, adequate slight shortage, or shortage of trucks in those particular markets. Like I said, I posted a link of it up on the Rates and Lanes Facebook page. So for if you guys are listening or listening on download, you can always go back and click in and look and get a direct link to take you to this report. And you will see exactly what I'm looking at right now. It's kind of uh, the report is in a PDF format. And every market will be uh, highlighted showing whether or not it has, like I said before, the surpluses, the slight versus the adequate and uh, shortages in the market. And right now in this particular report, there is no market that is showing surplus or slight surpluses, which is a good thing. In um, every other market, they're showing either an adequate supply of trucks or a slight shortage of trucks. Like I said, once again, very promising good news uh, to start the year out. I'm um, not going to dwell on that any, any longer. If someone has any questions pertaining to the report, uh, if you try to give me, a, if you want to click number one, press number one, and get in and ask a question, we can probably try and address some of those reports. Always, like I remember, um, when I, I try to tell everyone, when you're looking at from the USDA, you have to be a little cautious about the rates that they are publishing on this report because there is no safe way to vet those numbers that they are publishing on this report. So sometimes those numbers may look a little inflated. Uh, compared to what you're actually seeing in the real spot market. So you have to take that with a grain of salt, but but the reason that we kind of highlight and touch on this report is to kind of give us some indications as to what markets we might want to be looking in if we're moving and working the spot market and where we might want to try to position our trucks to take advantage of some of of the produce and some of the better-paying rates and lanes that the produce is available in. Also, a couple of weeks back I talked about going to your states or states that you service, going on their website and looking up the um, fruit and vegetable commissions in each one of those states. If you're not sure, if you're brand new to trucking and you happen to be in the retail market or whatever and you're not sure what the seasons are, there's a very handy tool that most states publish what season that their fruits and vegetables or any kind of produce that those states have, they have a season uh, calendar, and they publish that, so that you you'll know when something's in season in, in a particular state or something like that. Another good uh, valuable information that you can use, and another tip that they also publish in those uh, some of those uh, reports that the states publish, they have the actual packing houses and the shippers of those particular producers that are out there. It may take a little bit of being a little bit of resourceful, a little bit of digging on your part, but there is available contact information for you to begin to go out and begin to knocking on some doors and talking to some people to be able to establish direct customer uh, lead based. And and that's a free, that's a free way to to kind of go out there and get some information on people that you can approach about moving some of their produce at a direct freight rate and not settling for, the spot market rate, which what we you know when you're dealing with a broker, you're normally going to be moving that freight at a wholesale rate, which is why is the main reason why we here at the Rates and Lanes podcast we are big, big, big proponents of trying to go out and establish your own direct base of customers. With no further ado, let's jump over and move into the DAT trend lines report for this week, December twenty seventh through January second. Demand increased sharply for vans and reefers on the spot market in the final week of 2015. Van rates rose in the Midwest and Northeast, and reefer rates added 2 cents as a national at a national average. Flatbed rates rose 1 cent as a national average, despite a decline in the fuel surcharge. So let's move over and go and check out the U.S. van demand for the week of December 27th through January the 2nd, van load posts moved up 27% last week, while truck posts dropped 28%. As a result, the load-to-truck ratio rose 77% from 1.9 up to 3.4 loads per truck. The national average van rate held steady at $1.71 per mile for dry vans. Ban load postings were up 17% in December. When compared to the previous month, the truck load to truck ratio up from 1.8 to 2.1 loads per truck. Compared to the unique conditions of December 2014, the ratio was down 43%. Moving over and looking at U.S. ban rates for the 27th through January 2nd, December 27th to January 2nd. Ban rates were unchanged at a dollar seventy-one cents per mile last week, despite a one-cent decline in the average fuel surcharge. Rates rose in major markets in the north, northeast, the Midwest, and the West Coast. For details on, and this is a, a link that DAT has in their in their uh, report. For details. On the rate trend of the week, you can go click on this report directly. There's also a link of this report directly on the Rates for Facebook page. The national average van rate remained at $1. seventy-one cents per mile in December, despite a 3-cent decline in fuel surcharge. Compared to 2014, last month's rate was down 37 cents, which includes 20 cents drop in the fuel surcharge. Taking a quick look, at the rates around the country, starting off in the northeastern corridor, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania is the representative city. We're showing an average rate coming out of Philly at $1.84 per mile for drive-ins. Moving down into the southeastern portion of the United States, Atlanta, Georgia is the representative city, showing an average rate for drive-ins at $1.79 per mile. Moving into the Midwest, Chicago, Illinois, showing an average rate for dry vans at $2.01 per mile. Down in the south-central portion of the United States, we have an average rate coming out of Dallas at $1.66 per mile. Moving over into the west coast, the left coast, we show an average rate and actually set in the high water mark for dry vans coming out of Los Angeles at $2.12 per mile. These are all the national... Spot market rates over the past week from December 27th through January 2nd for dry band. Moving on over to U.S. flatbed demand. The flatbed load postings rose 7.8% while truck postings were down 29% during New Year's week. The national load to truck ratio rose 51% from 75 to 11.4 loads per truck, and the national average flatbed rate added one cent per mile. Flatbed load postings rose 7% in December when compared to November. The truck postings declined 6%. As a result, the load-to-truck ratio for the month rose 13%, from 6.7 up to 7.5 loads per truck. Compared to the unusual high demands of December 2014, the ratio was down 52%. Moving on over into the U.S. flatbed rates for December the 27th to January the 2nd, flatbed spot market rates picked up one cent, returning to a national average of ninety two cents per mile last week. The load-to-truck ratio increased 51%, to 11.4 lows per truck. Rates hold in December, the national average flatbed rate in December was unchanged from the previous month at $1.92 per mile. The total rate was down 36 cents compared to the average rate in December of 2014, including a 22 cents decline in fuel surcharges. Checking in across the country, looking at the average rates in different markets, starting out up in the northeastern portion of the United States. We have Harrisburg, Pennsylvania checking in, showing an average rate and actually setting the benchmark for flatbed freight, showing an average rate of $3.33 per mile for flatbeds. Moving down into the southeastern portion of the United States, we have Atlanta, Georgia checking in, showing an average rate for flatbeds at $2.25 per mile. Moving up into the Midwest, Rock Island, Illinois is showing an average rate of flatbeds for $2.53 per mile. Moving down to the south central portion of the United States, we have an average rate coming out of Houston at $1.93 per mile. All over on the left coast, we have Phoenix, Arizona checking in showing an average rate coming out of Phoenix for flatbeds at $1.58 per mile. Moving on over into the U.S. reefer demand for December 27th through January the 2nd. Reefer load posting soared 40% and truck posting declined 24% during the New Year's week. Compared to Christmas holiday holiday week last week, the load-to-truck ratio rose an astounding 83% from 5.2 up to 9.6 loads per truck. The national average reefer rate moved two cents higher to $1.95 per mile. Reefer spot market load volume rose 19% in December compared to November. Capacity added 2%. The resulting load-to-truck ratio rose 16% from 4.2 to 4.9 loads per truck. Compared to the typical demands of November 2014, the ratio fell 53%. Moving on over into the U.S. reefer rates for, January, for December 27th through January the 2nd, reefer spot market rates moved up 2 cents higher last week to $1.95 per mile as the load-to-truck ratio soared 83% higher. The national average spot market rate rose $0.01 cents from November to December despite a $0.03 cents decline in the average fuel surcharge at $1.95 per mile. The rate was down $0.41, 41 cents compared to December 2014. This drop includes a $0.20 cents drop in the fuel surcharge. Also, keeping in mind that the average diesel price for the week for the United States was $2.21 per mile. That's down 3 cents compared to last week. Uh, The average rate across the country, beginning up in the northeastern portion of the United States, we have an average rate of $1.71 coming out of Elizabeth, New Jersey. Down in the southeastern portion of the United States, we have an average rate of $1.44 per mile coming out of Lakeland, Florida into the uh, Midwest portion of the United States, the high-water mark, as usual, uh, coming out of Green Bay, Wisconsin, showing an average rate of $2.94 per mile for refurs. Moving down into the south-central portion of the United States, United States down in the Rio Grande, we're showing an average rate out of McAllen, Texas, of $1.78 per mile. And wrapping up this report, coming out of the West Coast, We're showing an average rate of $1.82 per mile for reefers coming out of Fresno, California. And let's see here. I'm going to take a chance and see. I think this should be Chuck here. Let's see if we got Chuck on board with us. Chuck, is that you?
2: You got him, Rico.
1: All right. How you been doing?
2: Very well. Happy New Year to you and your family. How you doing?
1: I'm very well. Thank you. Happy New Year to you and yours as well. Thanks, Rico. So, Chuck, tell us, um, we've wrapped up 2015, going into the beginning of 2016. Uh, Tell us what you think of, you know, kind of give us a little synopsis of what you think of the year in review as far as what you have seen and experienced over the past year.
2: Well, we've seen uh, we've seen the bottom fall out of the oil industry, which has taken certain sectors of the economy with it. It's been it's been devastating for the Canadian dollar, um, which is a, a good thing for anybody selling product to the U.S. Um, it's a real bad thing for those that are importing product from the U.S. Um, historically, when we get these Uh, bumps in the canadian dollar and we and we bump down like this we're busy as heck with outbound it's not the case this time because so much of our manufacturing industry has been dismantled in the last eight to nine years after the the crash of 08 that's when it really started um so you know we're, we're seeing a lot of a lot of challenges now we're uh we're really fortunate because we're really well entrenched with several large clients and we've got a large sales force. But, you know, we're we're seeing the smaller carriers have a real rough time um because they're having a tough time getting out of Canada into the US. Uh just because there's a shortage of freight. And once they get into the US, the freight coming back to Canada is getting harder to get, you know, to get to it's been really good this uh, this past week because there's been no Canadian trucks in the U.S. to pick up freight. So I have seen more freight volumes in the last week, which is very unusual. Um, you know, you never see this, especially between Christmas and New Year's and, you know, the first couple of days of the, you know, the new year. You don't see this type of volume, which we're seeing. And the only reason we're seeing it is there's no Canadian trucks to pick up this freight um, in general. I think that the demise of the oil industry hurts the trucking industry because so many of us depend on the oil industry directly or indirectly for for business. Uh, you know, all those people that work in the oil industry, they all consume stuff. The oil industry consumes things. And uh, now all of a sudden, I'm not going to say it's come to a grinding halt, but it's certainly slowed down quite a bit. And certain sectors of it have come to a, a grinding halt. Um, and that affects all of us that have trucks. And I always say, you know, when we're in the trucking business, all of us, we're really in the oil business. Because we, even though diesel fuel is cheap, um, sometimes it's better when it's expensive. Because we're able to get sympathy from the customer and we're able to get that fuel surcharge, which we're not getting now. And you know we're all selling oil to our customers, and you're better off to get you know to make a few percent on four dollars a gallon fuel than you are two dollars and thirty seven cents a gallon, and that's got a huge impact on, on all of us. And I realize, right, that and even
1: know. down in, the, I, I was going to even, even down here like in the southeastern portion of the United States. In some places, uh, diesel is under $2 a gallon. So um, it's really, it's, you know, when fuel prices are down, you know, of course, the rate kind of suffers a little bit.
2: Sure. Uh, we're not getting that fuel surcharge. And when it's $4 a gallon, um, that customer that we're negotiating with, all of a sudden he has a sympathy for us because he just filled up his Dodge minivan that morning, and he spent $4 a gallon for gas. And he knows how much you're spending for diesel. So he'll pay, give you that fuel surcharge. Where, right now, good luck getting it. You know, some of the largest right. companies and, and are how, paying it. but
1: I was going to quickly ask you, too, how much uh, are we being affected by a lot of freight being moved over to the rail as well? Because I know... Uh, you no, know, a lot of people are still experiencing you know the markets kind of we've never really recovered from the high that we had of 2014 which i kind of you know we touched on in the dat reports i mean we've never quite seen those levels at all this entire the entire year last year um so we have an entire year removed from seeing an out an entire year you know two years removed from 2014 where it, the rates were just booming Practically the entire year, and and now, uh, within an entire year of kind of really, uh, I think stagnant may be the best word that I can come up with.
3: Uh, an oh, entire I agree. Year,
1: stagnant uh, uh, rates and everything. How much of that is is? Would you think is a direct correlation to freight being moved on the rail?
2: I the rail is a capacity. I, I don't think, um, from what I've seen. Um, You know, Ronald Reagan, whether he was the best president you ever had or the worst president you ever had, I don't know. But, you know, under his administration, they yanked thousands and thousands of miles of rail track. And I don't think they're about to rebuild that anytime soon. Now, although they are adding uh, some capacity, the capacity that the uh, rail companies are adding doesn't even come close to the demand. Because rail traffic is, you know, it's cheap to move stuff on the rail, but try getting a, a spot on that rail line. And if you really need it, you know, there are certain commodities that lend themselves to being on the rail, um, especially over long distances. But I don't think there's, I don't think they're as big a threat as what we perceive. Um, just because it, a lot of times in a lot of lanes it's not that much cheaper you've got an awful lot of moving parts you still have to get the um you still have to get the freight to the rail yard very few of us have customers that have a rail siding so you know and very very few commodities are being shipped in in boxcars or or anything like that everything is going as a matter of fact they're they're doing away with piggyback trailers and everything is going to containerize freight because it makes more right. sense when you can double stack them. So, again, you've got more moving parts. These guys are no threat to anybody that's listening to this show. If anything, there's opportunities there to work with either the the providers or or the customers in, in move, moving some of that freight to and from the rail yards. And also... There's a fortune to be made for anybody that wants to clean up the mess. When you have customers that are shipping rail, and God forbid you have a derailment or you know some slowdown, and they need their freight, they'll pay big money for you to rescue freight, and they'll give you know they'll get another load uh, of product and give it to you, and you'll get it there before that mess is cleaned up the side of a mountain. So there are opportunities, and I think that. I think that as an industry, we, we have begun, um, I know all the big guys have, they've embraced the rail. Um, you know, all your big guys, the Hunts, the Schneiders, the Swifts, they all have rail divisions. There's probably a uh, lack of involvement from the smaller carriers. You know, the, the guy that has five trucks, they really should be looking at this um, as an opportunity, and and work with some you know some of the people that are utilizing rail moving freight even moving those containers they've got to get all over the place
1: right right and um, I was going to ask you a question pertaining to um, what do you think as far as with the new year coming upon us what do you th- what do you th- if you had a magic one or a crystal ball viewer forecasting. What do you think the outlook is going to be for 2016?
2: I think we've got a lot of uncertainty, to be honest with you. Um, and this could be, this could turn out to be a, a great year. It could turn out to be a horrendous year. I think the overall tone in in the markets is uh, fear and apprehension because you've got so many things going on that are negative to to business. You know, you've got the Chinese uh, stock market, for example. You know, you've got the, the Dow Jones. You've got all of these markets, uh, the New York Exchange, all of them, that aren't showing really positive numbers. And that has an effect on trucking. But, I don't know, I think that our group, the the people that, that listen to this show, the people that uh, subscribe to, you know, to uh, Kevin's way of doing things, I think they're going to end up okay. And I think a lot of them could be very profitable because we're the guys that, you know, we are the guys and girls that roll up our sleeves and get stuff done. And if we lose a customer, we'll find another opportunity because all of us are nimble. And that'll keep us going. There's nobody out there that is listening to this that rests on their laurel or they wouldn't be listening to us now. They'd be at the bowling alley. And when people spend their time, when they're driving their truck or their personal vehicle and they're listening to Kevin shows or they spend a whack of money and take time off work to go down to, uh, we used to go to Kansas City and now we're going to Iowa, uh, to learn how to be better at it, I think that those people are going to end up fine. I think some of the other ones, um, I think a lot of carriers could be in for a rough time if they're going to rest on their laurels you know you've got to be out digging and hustling and finding new opportunities and if you're doing that you'll make it you know there's right, i hate right. to sound, you I, know there's money in misery i hate <laughs> to say it but there is
1: no and absolutely
2: you just have to figure and out I, what no,
3: you
1: oh, mind just want to remind the callers that are on the line that if you got a question for Chuck or myself, just press number one and we'll get right to you. Uh, we'll see, we got a few people uh, we've grown a, a little bit and we've got a few people that's calling in tonight. So if you got any questions for Chuck or myself, uh, just go ahead and press the number one call and We'll come to you. We're just going to ask you your name, where you're calling from and what your question is. And we'll get, you'll get right to you. Um, and uh, also Chuck, Seeing that we're at the beginning of the new year, um, you care. To, you care to kind of maybe uh, tell us some things that we might need to be. I know we kind of asked you about a little forecasting or whatever, but is, are there any any little nuggets that you might want to throw out there for, for a small guy that you might want to be looking into? That you might have your ear to the ground. I know you know by you being having the brokerage and also having the asset-based company, you know, you may be aware of a couple of different opportunities that may, that we uh, small guys may not be aware of. So is there anything in particular that we might need to be keeping an eye out on or or, a major uh, opportunity that may
2: be waiting for someone? Um, I think over, I I wish I could tell you that there's a a secret formula or there's a, a new industry that's starting and we should all haul, um, you know, a new type of foam that's made of popcorn or whatever—it's not that easy. I think my best advice for everybody out there—and I heard this the other night, and I was, uh, or the other afternoon, I was listening to Kevin's show, or I can't remember if it was night or uh, or afternoon—I was listening to his show, and a gentleman called in, and he's been to the CMC, and this guy got it, and so many people in our industry don't get it, and this is the. This is the secret formula that I can give you. Run as few miles as you can. And that was this guy's secret sauce. The idea is not to do the 1,000 kilometers or the 600 miles a day or 500 miles. Try to drive 200 miles a day, but make a whole bunch of money in that 200 miles. You're going to make a lot of money because you're not going to wear the hell out of your truck. You're not going to wear the heck out of you. And that's the secret. You know, there's so many of us, and I get owner-operators in all the time, and, you know, calling up, and they want to do 12,000 miles a month. And that's tough, and, you know, and, and that's hard. That's um, a lot of grinding. And you can make, if you can find, and especially if you're, if you know, if you're promoting guys and girls going out there to get their own authority, look for those short lanes. You know, try to find customers. If you're going to look for customers, and even if it's not a direct customer, if it's a relationship with a broker, try to cap it out about 300 miles max so you can get out there and in uh, in half a day, unload, reload, and get back. Or if not, you're going to get more trips in in a week. You'll make more money, usually, on that 300-mile trip per, per mile. A lot of people will pay two fifty, three dollars a mile because it's only a two or three hundred mile trip. And I hate to tell everybody, but your trucks are all stupid. Trucks don't know where they're going. <laughs> You're still going to get your six or seven miles per gallon. Trucks don't all of a sudden get this idea in their ERG saying, Oh geez, I'm going to California, I'm going to get nine miles a gallon. They don't work that way. So if you're going to be successful and you want to do the stuff nobody else wants to do, and everybody wants to be a Billy big rigger and do five or 600 miles a day, do the opposite, drive 200 miles a day and find somebody that'll pay you for doing six and people will because that's the work nobody wants.
1: Absolutely. That's one of the things that, you know, like you say, that's definitely one of the things that can separate you. And, um, give you an opportunity to increase your revenue per mile, which is what it's really all about, making more money, yes. you know, working smarter and not harder.
2: And that's the demise of our industry, Rico, is we have too many people that want to do what we call busy work. They want to work like crazy, and they want to drive that, you know, five <coughs> or 600 miles a day and beat the hell out of themselves and beat the hell out of their equipment. Um, you know the person that can drive two or three hundred miles in that day he's he or she's gonna make a lot more money
1: so now and 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 also to kind of couple that along with some of the you know with the 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 regulations that was coming down the pike and everything, I think that if you kind of start to migrate and adjust and go to a scenario where you are working driving less miles then that uh, you know the, the whole conundrum with having to go to the EOBRs and everything may not affect you as much. Um, you you, you care. I know we hadn't had a chance to really talk about that much, Chuck. But uh, you want to elaborate a little bit on the uh, you know in, with the coming down of the new regulation. I know it's not absolutely going to drop dead and go into effect until a couple of years. And I and I'm fully aware of the OIDA has a lawsuit trying to uh, block that block the um, the entire mandate. But uh as of right now it is it is in the works and everything, so you, you wanna you care to kinda throw an opinion out there on that one?
2: Sure. Well first of all, uh I do applaud Oida for for fighting this, uh, you know, but I think it's uh it's it's certainly a, a valiant effort, but I think they're getting in the ring with an eight hundred pound gorilla. Um I don't think this is gonna change. You've got all these big companies out there that are putting pressure uh, through lobbyists that are pushing this thing through. It's to their advantage. So there's a real disadvantage for the small carrier, you know, the carrier with one to 10 trucks. Um, how the heck are you going to, how are you, you going to manage your business, especially when you're traveling to, you know, areas, let's say, between, uh, Detroit and Nashville or, um, you know, Detroit and Louisville, places like this where you, you know, rush hour, you start hitting traffic in these towns. And, you know, to go 20 miles can take you three hours. It can a lot of places. And you're going to run out of hours. And that's where I think that for the little guy, especially, the only way you're going to beat this is to model your business on predictability as best you can. And you cannot have predictability when you're just running open board. You don't know what you're going to hit. You can't predict time as easily. If you know, if you've got a a steady shipper and you're loading in uh, Detroit every morning and delivering to Cincinnati that afternoon, you know you can time it. And you can time your rest. You can time your backhaul. Otherwise, you're going to run out of hours the side of the road. And the system the way we know it, is deemed to fail. It's just you're going to fail at it. And what's going to happen is I think that industry is pushing. We have a shortage of of drivers. Um, Maybe sometimes we just have a shortage of pay for the work that we have. But the new drivers aren't going to, you know, in the upcoming world, we're going back to hub and spoke. That's how this thing is going to work. Um, because it makes the most sense and for those of you out there that are too young to remember what hub and spoke is that's when a driver started at a terminal and brought his day cab at the end of his shift to another terminal or half his shift to a terminal dropped his trailer and it's kind of like a relay race like the pony express and it's the only way this whole thing is going to work and there's two reasons for that. Um, number one, it's the the hours of service. Um, it's the only way you can justify um, operating and and being legitimate, and you have to be. You can't be compliant anyway else Is you need that predictability. Even the big carriers are going to need it, and they're pushing for it. The second thing is if you look at the cost of new equipment, and there are lots of Companies out there running older equipment. There are some large companies whose business model is actually running older equipment, as long as they're not going into California. However, when you're running that that new equipment, when you have to go and buy it, it's very expensive, and you cannot justify a hundred and seventy thousand dollar truck driving eleven hours a day. It makes no financial sense you'd have to be hauling some very expensive stuff in order to make those payments. So as trucks get more expensive, because we're all trying to go greener, um, those trucks are going to have to run 24 hours a day. And the only way to do this is to, you know, is slip seat and to run terminal to terminal or even to do the way uh, Conway was doing it those guys would switch right on the road so they would just switch tractors you'd have a guy going from detroit to chicago um and uh and he would meet another driver in chicago and one would go back to chicago and the other would go back 250 miles somewhere south let's say into southern illinois or 250 miles west um you know into iowa and that's how their business model worked and I think for the listeners out there, the best way to survive in the future is you've got to plan for it now. And, again, you've got to be predictable. At some point, all of us are going to get legislated to update our trucks. That's coming. There is so much press about going green that other states are going to start adopting the, the same compliance as California and we're going to get mark my words give it a year or two and more and more states are going to you know make us have newer trucks and run uh diesel exhaust fluid and everything else and what's going to happen then you know we're going to have to update don't get lost in the middle without a way to go and that's why you've got to plan for this now plan for all of it and of course the safest thing to do um if you want to run for safe ground is start planning running, you know, th- those two or 300-mile t- trips so that at least you have some control, and I think you'll be successful.
1: i start putting, you know, so you're saying, you know, for, for a lot of us guys such as myself that are, that are running the older equipment, if we don't have payments now, really start making sure that you're putting something back so that, if this if in, in, in this regulation, and from the way that you sound, it's not a question of if, it's when the regulations come where they uh, try to force us to update our equipment that we won't be caught flat-footed and we can take uh, positive measures in making sure that we're able to uh, maintain our, our businesses and upgrade the equipment accordingly. 100%. Um, and
2: it's the only way. You know, we talked about it a little bit at uh, CMC, and maybe this is the the time to, that people need to talk to each other in the industry, uh, especially in our sector, the smaller carriers. You know, the guys with one to the, the five or ten trucks about um, about working cooperatively and and getting more bang for our buck, um, and making sure that you know, and maybe that's what we have to do is make arrangements with other carriers and we're we're going to go back to interlining. Which is for those of you that are too young out there, interlining is where several carriers share in a load and each carrier takes it so far. And it's funny well, see, the what only comes thing around goes that, around.
1: Yeah that's what that's what I was going to say Chuck. The thing about that was is that they outlawed they but they, unless you got broker's license broker's license they outlaw airlining in the uh, MAP-21 bill. Uh, so it kind of put us in a little bit of a conundrum.
2: Yes, um, and I think that that's going to have to change, or everybody's going to have to get a broker's license. One or the other. Hmm. Well, uh, or you do it, again, go. Plan- you do it cooperatively. Remember we talked about that? Uh, at the table where yeah. we uh, I had mentioned it in my speech um, about working as a co-op. Everybody puts their truck into a corporation. Now, all of a sudden, you don't need that brokerage license.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. That that, that might be uh, – say that again, Chuck. Say that again and say it slow. we got a couple people who want to get in, but I want you to hit that point one more time on that cooperative piece.
2: Okay. There are – different types of businesses in the United States and Canada. There's your corporation. It's a little bit different in the U S your LLC, your corporation, your incorporation, your proprietorship. And then there's your cooperative. And the cooperative is, it's like a corporation that's owned by a group of people. And it's, it's exactly what it, um, what it sounds like. It's a co-op. So the only difference is I think that there may be some liability issues where members of the co-op are, are liable, and, have, and I don't know what the U.S. law is for that. Laws are different in Canada than the U.S. But, again, you would have, for example, you would have ten individuals that each put their one truck into a single company name, okay? And it would be a co-op, and they would share all expenses, but they would um, – you would get paid for the miles you do, and at the end of the year, you would get a dividend or your your payment from the co-op that was the profit. The advantage is, is now all of a sudden, instead of having one truck, you've got ten trucks. So now you're a force to be reckoned with in your region. And there's all sorts of weird and wonderful things you could do logistically, such as Interline. Um, you'd certainly get insurance an awful lot cheaper. You'd be able to get fuel a lot cheaper. You'd be able to get repairs and tires a lot cheaper, um you'd be able to get trailers for less money it goes down the line you could drill your cost down and this is a this whole exercise as we've said before rico we're accountants and the idea right. is to get your cost down and all this right could work so if...
1: chuck we got we got somebody want to jump in with us real quick let's go over let's get our good friend mr joe cox let's see if we can get chuck on board i mean joe on board with us joe are you there
0: Yes, sir. How are you guys doing tonight?
2: We're great. Uh, well,
0: what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing regarding the older trucks and what's going to happen, I think, is uh, because when that mandate for those logs comes about, all them older trucks are going to be 18 years old. And DOT and FMCSA is already working on updating the guidelines for inspecting those trucks because they're going to be 18 years old. It ain't going to be just an easy full in and a level two or three. It's going to be a full-on level one. Uh, they're knowing that you're not going to have a EOBR, so they're going to go in there and tear your logs apart. But where I think it's going to get is the insurance company is going to say, huh, we're thinking you're going to be running paper logs and you're going to be doing something for a reason. I think insurance companies are going to mandate the people update their stuff just by virtue of they can charge you. It's called the the power of the pocketbook. <laughs>
2: I agree. That could happen.
0: And they'll say, say, well, you know, yeah, you can drive that truck if you can afford the insurance. And then as you said, Chuck, a lot of your customers going to this green stuff, there's a lot of customers that won't let you on there unless you have green equipment. Yep. So you're cutting yourself out of a lot of loads. Uh, It's like you said, that short load, uh, loads that we need in a tight economy. Uh, they're not going to take an 18-year-old truck out there that's running paper logs because of the liability issues. Also going back to them, because everybody's saying, "Oh, I want to run what I want to run." But we all know the reason that people want paper logs.
1: True. I think I definitely I definitely agree with the point that I think that there there is a major push in this country for uh, moving towards green, being more environmentally friendly. Uh, um, You know, there's definitely a strong, strong push towards that. And more and more you're starting to see more and more companies advertise that, you know, that they're requiring their suppliers to be more green and to be more environmentally friendly and stuff like that. So definitely if you are someone that owns a business, you are a motor carrier, I I think that there may be a push to begin to force us as vendors and suppliers to begin to kind of conform to what it is that, that our potential customers are, are one of the things that they're going to be starting to require of us as as uh, vendors and suppliers. So definitely with the, well, with the green aspect, and, and it, it opens, I, I definitely can see that one coming.
0: And it, and it opens doors. You can go in there, uh, like Chuck was saying, you can go in there and go to that third-party provider, Swift, uh, Warner, J.B. Hunt, and say, hey, I have a green truck. That Heinz load that you have right down the street there, I'd like to do that on a daily run of 300 miles. And they'll say, wow, you meet the criteria and we'll let you do it. These big companies can't haul all the freight that's out there. And, and the little one and two truck guys, you know, it's going to get tough. It is going to get tough. They're going to have to be on their ball ballgame and, and pay attention to what they're doing if they want to succeed in this business. And success is easy. Failure is easy, too.
2: Good point. Oh, yeah. You know, an interesting point, gentlemen. Um, the one thing we didn't talk about is we all know, and I'll say this publicly. I really don't care because it's the truth. The old stuff is much better than the new stuff. There's no two doubts about it. We've tried both. Um, the problem is there are some issues with the old stuff, and, and green is the big one, and California is the Absolutely. other big one. Um However, it's a threat to the um to the manufacturers. And you'll see truck sales go down. And just in general, because we they've pushed out an awful lot of iron in the last few years. Uh, you know, sales have gone through the roof, and the market demand, I believe, is pretty full right now. And when that market Freightliner
0: just Freightliner just announced nine hundred and fifty layoffs over by Charlotte today.
2: There you effective go. Effective
0: Friday, because they're cutting their production by a third. Uh, and 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 going back to the oil industry, then there's another problem people aren't seeing right now with freight, the bird industry, the the turkeys, the chickens, the bird flu, all them birds that in the Midwest, millions and millions of them that had to be destroyed. People think, oh, I don't haul chickens. No. You might haul the feed that supplies the chickens. You might haul a product that goes to the place that supplies the chicken. It's a downstream that affects this transportation, as in the oil industry. You might not haul any oil pipe, but you might haul building material at Odessa, Texas, and now that Roughneck ain't building a house, so the lumber yard ain't selling the lumber.
2: It's dribbled yeah, you, down. You know what? You haul, the, you haul the dishwashing soap that all those guys that are, that are on the lines wash their dishes with. And now they're not that's on the right. oil line anymore. And that's right. You know, and the it's, same it's, thing it's interesting what industry. you said about Freightliner. Um, because that's the these things unfortunately, Rico you asked what the year's gonna look like. There you go. That's the unless there's some uh somebody throws somebody a Hail Mary pass, it's January sixth today. Uh you got nine hundred and fifty jobs lost in uh in the Carolinas. That's the first. Then you got Effective the tire variety. companies. Yeah. <clears throat> It, it's a downward effect, uh, so we've got to be smart. And what will happen is all the OEMs will get together in the next 12 months or so and put pressure on the federal government in the U.S. and probably in Canada to start making us comply with newer trucks. Wouldn't it be nice if we could get the government to do something for us as an industry? They don't do much for us. But the OEMs have the money to pay the lobbyists to get Congress to pass a, a cre- clean, green air bill where we all have to go out and buy 2019 trucks. Good for the economy, I guess, but it's going to be hard in our pocketbooks. It's certainly going to affect an awful lot of business models, the guys I know.
0: Well, and the thing I think is you can't wait until the, the mandate of 2017 for the logs to run legal. You need to start it today. today? To get a grasp on it, to figure out what you need to change, because if you wait until that day and you're forced, you're going to go broke.
2: Yep. Uh, there's a great line, Joe? and I'll repeat it: uh, Noah built the ark before it started to rain.
0: Yeah.
1: Yep. Well, Joe, I, I definitely appreciate you calling in and, and for the insights and everything. And uh, we got a couple we got a couple more people want to get a question or comment in. So we're gonna move hey, on. I, mean, to I appreciate it again, Joe. Yeah.
2: Happy. And young.
1: um one thing that uh I wonder uh, and I probably should have maybe asked Joe before I before I put him back on hold, uh maybe we might have time to go back to him, but I'm wondering how this may affect uh lot of kids, how how that's gonna come into an effect.
3: Yep.
2: You know,
1: interesting with the with the new with the new mandates and all,
2: yeah, uh, they're they're coming at us. You know, the world is uh, the world is going to be a greener place, uh, whether we like it or not.
1: Right, right. Let me see here. I'm having a little bit of a problem with my board. Trying to get my trying to get it to um, pop up here. Let me tell my call screener. Call screener, put the uh, put Joe Cox back on hold, and let's try to get Mark. My call screener is on her piece and cues tonight. See if she can help me out on the background.
3: Hello, can you hear me?
1: Hello, Mark. This is
3: Mark. Yes, sir. This is Mark.
1: All right, Mark. All right, we got you, you on board. How, she, she, she was... how are
3: you doing this
2: evening? We're good. We are well.
3: And good to hear. Excellent. Thank you. I want to uh, throw a little, uh, historical story. And then we're talking about, you know, what happens when uh, big regulations are coming down the pike. So it's the greening of the industry. I want to throw a story out about um, gas stations. Back in 1999, 1989, the federal government mandated that all gas tanks had to be upgraded. Because there was a big leaking problem, It's a big mess, well, How many small mom-and-pop gas station owners do you see at your neighborhood corner? None. Not many anymore. That drove so many people out of business, either because they, A, found pollution, or, B, just couldn't afford to upgrade the tanks and said, you know what, it's a good time to retire down in Florida. I see the same thing happening in our industry. There's a lot of folks saying, hey, either I'm going to upgrade and I'm going to make it, I'm not and I, I wanted to come back to your, your discussion earlier about forming a cooperative I think that is an outstanding idea I, I live in um, Pennsylvania and I see cooperatives all over the place and that is the only way those guys are able to stay competitive against big agriculture out there yep
1: yeah that, that's it works. and we've been talking cooperative for uh, quite some time on this, on this on this particular show um, we, we've been kind of trying to uh, figure out the ins and outs of it. I think that that's something that, uh, for people that are definitely serious about it, we have to figure out some type of a way to uh, definitely make that move it from a, a more of a talk stage and actually start trying to more of an implementation stage.
2: Well, Rico, I'll say something right now about that. I am. I, I believe in it so much that I will volunteer my time. To help the cooperative get going and run, uh, if there are some people out there that want to do it, so I'm putting that out there. If there's people out there, how about
1: that for throwing down the gun?
2: There we go. Nice, because I think it's the way of the future uh, for survival.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. so if anybody is interested, hey, we definitely want to try and kick it off on the um, you know, maybe drop us a note on the uh, Rachel Lane's Facebook page and we definitely can try and see if we can like I say stop from so much of a talk aspect and actually try to get into a more of a implementation stage. Yeah. Uh Anything maybe... else any, anything else you want anything else you want to add yeah. to, the, to the conversation there Mark before we let you go?
2: No, that was great, thank you, gentlemen. Thanks, Mark. Have a happy right, new I appreciate it, Mark.
1: Put you back on hold here. And, Chuck, we got about mm, three minutes left in the show. Wouldn't I want to like to always try to give my, my, my co-host and my guest host an opportunity to kind of uh, get any last-minute plugs in or anything, you know, give out any contact information if you want to, or how can people reach you or, or, or you know, websites, all that good stuff.
2: Well, um, if you want to email me, it's Chuck at Traffix. That's T-R-A-F-F-I-X dot com. Uh, You can call me. I do call people back. Uh, Somebody called me back just before Christmas. I did get back to him a couple days later, one of the uh, listeners, and left the message he was in San Francisco. I never heard back from him. But if you want to call me and leave a message at 800 388 4352. My extension is 203. Uh, always like to talk to people. Uh, our company is Trafix, Traffix, T R A F F I X. We're Canada's oldest third party load brokerage. As well, we are a fleet. Um, we handle an awful lot of interstate f- freight. Um, reefer work is our specialty, but we do some uh, dry van and we certainly do some flatbed freight. Uh, I can't offer anybody right now anything steady. I can't say I have steady loads from Buffalo to Charlotte or Charlotte to Los Angeles. It's just what I have. If I have it, I'll give it to you. Uh, always more than willing to work with any of the listeners, um, you know, and give you, you know, a leg up on anything we can. Uh, this is my opportunity to give back to an industry that's given me and my family and my business so much.
1: And let me say this: is a quick little plug. I don't think I told you this, Chuck, but I pulled a, I pulled a couple of loads for you guys. Uh, um, I think last month I pulled a couple oh, of loads. Uh, we, we did some, yes, sir. We did some stuff with you guys. Got a really good fair rate, um, and 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 Chuck, they they have a really good pay policy. They pay really good. So I just a feather in the hat. I, I didn't let Chuck know about it, but. but <laughs>
2: We snuck, you were snuck testing me, will you recall? <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, you know, quality
2: I'm control. Glad. Quality control. <laughs> well, thank you for testing me. I'm glad it worked.
1: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So we definitely want to thank everyone for taking the time out of their busy schedules, for tuning in and checking us out and downloading the show. We want to thank everyone that helped make this show possible, Kevin and Lisa Rutherford, and, and the entire let Truck team. This has been the Rates in Lanes podcast, the very first episode of 2016. We got some more plans, uh, some different things coming down the pike, some different ideas that we want to change to make the show a little bit better. So we definitely want to engage and interact more with our audience. So we want you guys to, to, if you haven't already liked the Facebook page, definitely go like the Facebook page. We're going to be trying to put out more and more information, more and more links via the Facebook page and um, and, and, and trying to give you guys some different things. And communicate that with us. Tell us what it is that you would like more, what, what kind of information, what type of material would you like on this podcast. Uh, we try to bring Chuck Snow on to give us a, a real-world perspective from a broker and a um A broker and a carrier, a big fleet perspective, we try to bring and give you guys from a legal perspective. We try to bring Henry Seton on to give us some legal advice. So, you know, what more things would you like to get out of this show? How can we be of more service to you? Definitely drop us a line on the Facebook page and let us know. And with that said, I want to thank you again. God bless you. Be safe out there, everybody, and good night. Thanks again, Chuck.
2: My pleasure. Be safe out there, Rico. Good night. Hey, you too. Good night. Thanks for joining
0: us on Rates and Lanes. If you like what you heard here, leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Or listen to our other shows at audioroad.letstruck.com. To get in touch with our tribe, call us at 855-800-PUL. That's 855-800-3835. Thanks for joining us for the Ride Down the Audio Road.